0: All right, so first, Thessalonians, let me just give you, catch you up, and then we're going to finish off the book this morning, uh, Lord willing. So uh, the book was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. He had only been there for three weeks to plant a church, and then because of great persecution, he was forced to flee. Word gets back to him that they're, they're still surrounded by a lot of pagan idolatry and a lot of things going on that are distracting the people away from the truth they had been taught. Now, they were doing very well in a lot of ways, but he reminded them to keep your eyes back on Jesus. And that should be a word for every one of us. Can I get an amen? In the midst of the coronavirus and everything else that's going on in the world right now, is God still in control? Is God still faithful? Can we trust him? And because of that, we need to not be so panicked about what's going on in the world around us. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And so he encourages them for several chapters to keep their eyes on Jesus, to not walk in fear but to walk by faith. And he encourages them, again, where their security comes from. In the last couple of, of, of weeks, that you, if you've been here, uh, at the end of it, he started talking to them about the rapture of the church and the day of the Lord. I encourage you to grab the CDs or go onto our website. You can listen to them anytime. But he talked about the rapture of the church. And, and again, I don't have time to go into the whole detail of it, but the rapture of the church is that here's the reality of what the Word of God teaches. That the Lord is coming for us. Can I get an amen? And then we will return with Him. The Lord is coming with us. And we will rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And in between those times is a seven-year period. And we know from the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, the church is mentioned 41 times. You don't see the church mentioned again till the end of the book when we return with the Lord. And so the rapture of the church, there's nothing else that needs to take place. At the end of every chapter in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, He says something about... Keep looking up. Be ready for your redemption, draweth nigh. And we should live every day in anticipation that Jesus Christ could come back. So we looked at the rapture of the church and the reality that the church will be snatched away. There'll be seven years of tribulation. God has not appointed us under wrath. There's some that have differing perspectives on the end times, and that's okay. We still love them in the Lord. We just agree to disagree. It's not essential for salvation. But I'm I'm, I'm pre-trib, pre-millennial, which means I believe we're gone before the tribulation starts, And we come back and we rule and reign with the Lord for a thousand years. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And then last week we saw the day of the Lord. And there was a description about when the righteous judgment of God comes upon the earth. And that that day can come at any time. And again, as a church, we will be removed before that happens. So now we come to to the end of this letter. And you can tell Paul is writing this letter to the church that he has pastored for a short amount of time. And he's going to encourage them. And so we're going to look at this morning is some basic things that should be in in the life of every mature believer and also in the life of a healthy church. And he's going to exhort them and encourage them in these last uh, 17, 16 verses or so. So if you have your outline, grab it. I tell the message, essentials of a healthy church. Each of us is uniquely called and gifted to be used by God. Everyone in this room, if you're born again, you've been gifted by God. God has supernaturally gifted you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has a plan for your life. He wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. And guys, I want to tell you something. This shouldn't be a secret. You know who grows the most spiritually? The people that use their gifts. Can I get an amen to that? When you use your gifts, when you are being faithful, if you, if you have a burden for prayer and you're a person who prays, if you're a person who's involved in serving one way or another in the fellowship, as you serve, you grow. You can't help it. Can I get an amen? I've also found a lot of times if we just sit on the sidelines and do nothing, we probably aren't going to grow as much as we could. God didn't give us a gift so we could bury it in the sand. Now, some of us, because of our schedules or our health or whatever, there might be some things we can't do. But you know what we can all do? Can we all pray? Can I get an amen to that? Can we all pray? Can we all pray for divine appointments? Can we all share our faith with others? We absolutely can. So we're each uni- uniquely gifted by God. And here are the four areas we're going to look at this morning. First of all, these are things we should see in a mature believer, but also in a healthy church. Now, the first two verses are going to sound self-serving. Uh, If you're visiting our church, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We started in Matthew on Sunday mornings, and now we're in 1 Thessalonians. We started in Genesis on Thursday nights. We're in 2 Samuel 19 this coming Thursday. So we just go right through the Bible. But the first two verses talk about submitting to those that the Lord has called to lead. So he's talking about those in ministry that have been called to lead. Somebody who's discipling you, ministering to you that we submit to those in the authority that God has placed over us. And notice, though, we're going to see, not because those people are perfect, because they're not. Can I get an amen? Not because those people are necessarily even more spiritually mature than you are. That's not always the case. But when God puts someone in a position of authority in your life, God has called us to submit to them and also to pray for them. Then we'll see that essential in the life of a spiritually mature believer and in a healthy church is lovingly ministering to one another. Guys, we're called to minister to one another, not just, to, not just the pastors, not just people to oversee the helps ministry, but everybody in the building, we're all called to serve one another. Can I get an amen to that? The Bible says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be what? The servant of all, not the servant of some, not the servant of the people that will recognize that you've served, but it's serving even when no one else is watching. Can I get an amen to that? So lovingly ministering to one another. And then here's the key. Living out your faith in your daily life. I pray that you don't leave your faith at 11.30 on Sunday mornings when you leave this building. Can I get an amen? Amen. Guys, we don't check our faith at the door. We don't cease to be Christians when we walk out of this building. This is where we come to get fed, where we come to fellowship, where we come to grow, and then we go out there to live it. Can I get an amen? This is, you know, it's like, I love Pastor Rob McCoy's analogy. This is like landing on the ship refueling here at church and then going back out to fight another battle amen and so when we come here we come to get fed to grow but not so we can keep it to ourselves but so we can go out there and live it out loud and this means in every aspect of life your neighbors should all know you're a christian can i get an amen all your co-workers your friends your the fellow students in your school if you're in school wherever you may be wherever you may be going you need to know that we are called to represent the lord you know what do people need jesus today are they going to get it from CNN? Are they going to get it from the media? Are they going to get Jesus right? or you know they're supposed to get it from us? Amen. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be ambassadors for Jesus. And guys, we should live it. Your coworkers should all know you're saved. Again, not because of, you just talk about the Lord, but you certainly should do that, but also by the way you work and the way you live. People should look at your marriage and know that you're saved. They should see how you parent your children and know that you're saved. Guys, we need to live it out loud outside of this building and then finally living every day in anticipation of jesus's soon return you know what come quickly lord jesus can i get an amen i'm good with it i'm heaven works for me right about now amen but if god hasn't come back yet it's because he's not done there are people that need to get saved if hey if you're the one keeping us from heaven get saved today so we can go can i get an amen you know it's that last person that needs to get saved don't let it be you let's go let's go to heaven heaven's better I'm longing for it. I can't wait to get there. Amen. But if we're gonna stay here a while longer, we need to be faithful. If we're gonna stay here a while longer, God has us here for a reason. So let's be faithful to use the gifts He's given us. So let's begin there in verse twelve of First Thessalonians chapter five, picking up where we left off last Sunday. Essentials of a healthy church. First, submitting to those that the Lord has called to lead. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. The first thing we should notice, that from the very beginning of of the church, God had called those to serve in positions of leadership within the body. This still happens today. I've had people challenge me on it often, and they'll say, I just don't believe that we're supposed to have anybody leading the church because Christ is the leader. Well, I agree that Christ is the leader. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus is the head of the church, and he is the, he's the senior pastor of this church. Can I get an amen? We're all submitted to him. But the Bible is very clear that some are called to be pastors and teachers. Amen? Some are called to be evangelists. There's giftings in the Bible that are in the Bible for a reason. And what's crazy is, it's scary when they say, well, we just all want to show up, and then we'll just say, who's got a word? Come on up here. And then someone comes up who might not even be saved. Can I get an Amen? Someone who's not called or gifted to teach the word of God, who hasn't labored in the word. The Bible tells us that we are to labor in the word. Speaking of pastors, that means to the point of exhaustion. And I tell every pastor I know, if you haven't been exhausted in the last week over your study time, you're not studying enough. Can I get an amen? And so here's the reality. He said, those who do labor, those who do, we urge you to recognize those among you and say, okay, God bless you, and we're praying for you. We, we, when you're studying, we're praying for you because you're going to study to give to us, to feed us. You know, I love it. It's an analogy. It's like a chef, somebody who makes a meal and then gives it to someone else to feed on it. Amen? But again, if he doesn't prepare, if he doesn't spend time preparing the Word of God and spend time uh, studying, he, you can never take someone to a place you've never been. If I don't spend time in God's Word, if the person teaching a five-year-old uh, children doesn't spend time in God's word, all of us who teach in any capacity, women's ministry, wherever it may be, if you don't spend time in the word of God, you're not going to be able to take people to a place you've never been yourself. And so if, I don't, if I'm not hanging out with Jesus, I'm going to get up on Sunday with nothing to give you, amen? It should be pouring out of me. I get it for 25 hours, you get it for an hour. So if you're convicted, I'm convicted 25 times. Can I get an amen? I tell people all the time, God made me a pastor because he knew I needed to be in the Bible for 30 to 40 hours a week, Amen. So evidently, some of these young Thessalonian Christians struggled with submission, as many still do today. You know, God is a God of order. God is a God of order. A friend of me sent me a video. He's a part of some church, and I watched it. It was scary. People were rolling on the floor, barking in the Spirit, and screaming, and, I, and they're like, look at the Holy Spirit. Like, no, no, that's not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's not the author of confusion. Can I get an Amen. The Holy Spirit's not going to be talking eight different ways in eight different times to eight different people. And we roar like lions. I go, well, Satan is a roaring lion seeking me to devour, not, not the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? So there's order in the church. And guys, there should be joy in the church. There should be passion. Can I get an amen to that? But it's all done decently and in order. The gifts are still for today. Can I get an amen to that? God is still at work. But that being said, it's done decently and in order. Evidently, again, some of these young Thessalonians struggle with submission. And submission is not a very popular concept today. It is due mainly to our pride and our desire to rule and to be on the throne. Again, we need to die for ourselves and submit to the Lord. That's what the Word of God commands. Romans 13 tells us that all authority has been placed there by God and that we are to submit to them. Now, I'm going to say this. There comes a time where those we submit to... We stop submitting to when they tell us to disobey God. Can I get an amen? Matter of fact, this Thursday, I'm going to teach Daniel chapter 3. We're going to break away from 2 Samuel just for a week. And we're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When everybody else was told, when the music plays, you bow. And they stood. And there's a time when we need to stand when everybody else bows to a false God. Can I get an amen? And we you know what? And, we're, and we pray for our governor. And we pray for our state. And they've told us we're not supposed to be here. And, and again, if you want to watch on live stream, that's totally okay. I have no problem with that. And this is not a prideful thing or a political thing. It's an obeying God thing. Forsaking not the gathering yourselves together, and all the more as the day approaches. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what? And if we don't stand, if the pastors don't stand for religious freedom in this country, who in the world's going to? So I might be here by myself, but that's okay. I'm staying until they take me to jail. Because guys, and I'll just do prison ministry. Can I get an amen? Because the reality is that God has us here for a reason. And we're going to preach Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. Amen? And you, and you know what? This may be persecution for some. And don't let this divide the church. If you don't feel comfortable and you want to stay home, we love you and you be faithful to that conviction. Can we get an amen to that? We're good with that. If you come in and you're wearing three masks, that's fine. If you, wear, if you don't want to, that's fine. Let's not divide over this. We're all one body. Can I get an Amen. We all want to honor the Lord. And so the exhortation here is, look, God's a God of order. And he has those that he puts in leadership in churches for a reason. And those that are in leadership, it's self-serving. If you've been coming for a long time, you know I don't do this. But I teach the Bible. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to teach it. Can I get an amen? So those are in positions of authority. We are to acknowledge them. Now, I want to say this. While this verse is speaking about the church, it's also true in the home. God has called the husband to be the spiritual leader of his household. Can I get an amen to that? So men, step up. If you're not leading, start leading. If you're not bathing your family in prayer, start doing it. If you're not leading, a, living a Christ-like example in front of your family, let today be the day you start doing it. And then it talks about wives submitting to their own husbands as unto the Lord. So that word, boy, women don't like that. I've had weddings, they go, take that obey out of there. And I'm doing that obey. Take that out. Take that submission thing out of the box. Guys, it's biblical. Now, it doesn't mean that the man or the pastor in this case is more spiritually mature or cared more about by God or more valuable in any way. It just means that's the position he's called to. It's like in the military. You know, the sergeant might not be as sharp as the corporal, but the corporal still submits because that's what he's called to do. Can I get an amen? And so, wives, submitting to your husband, you're doing, you're doing that for the Lord and do it as unto the Lord and you be an encouragement to him. Because he needs it. Because he's a knucklehead sometimes. Can I get an amen? He needs to be encouraged. You pray for him. You encourage him. You walk with him. And then, not, then it also speaks to the children. The children submit to their parents. And even if your parents aren't the best, and even if your parents are wrong, so they're still your parents. They love you. Submit to them. Can I get an amen? So we recognize the authority that God has placed in the local church and in the family and then also in the world. I call my boss, every boss I've ever had, I call him boss. I do it for a reason. I just want them to know I recognize your authority. Every boss I've had, hey boss, what can I do? How can I help? How can I serve? We'll talk about this more when we get to the end of the chapter. But we're all called to be submitted to those in authority that God has placed over us. Again, if my boss, I've told you this just a while back, I've been in the same company for 32 years, they assigned the largest abortion clinic in California to me as an account. How do you think that went? And I just said, yeah, Bob, I'm not doing that. He said, well, you have to. I said, well, I'm not. I'll quit. I'm not. I'm going to honor God, and I'm not going to help people kill babies. Can I get an amen? So I just said, no, I can't do that. And you know what? I called the VP. I said, hey, I don't want to do and He he, he sent an email to my boss and said, take that account away from him. Yeah, because I said, I'll handle the account. They'll just disappear. (laughs) You won't find them a 411. You'll think they went out of business. Can I get an amen? I, thinking back, that's what I should have done, amen? But submission isn't easy. It requires, it requires that we die to ourselves. It requires that we have some humility. It requires that we recognize that even though, you know, maybe we're, more, we're smarter or we're this or we're, it's dying to yourself and recognizing God has them there in our life for a reason. So submission doesn't make you inferior, it just makes you faithful. Can I get an amen to that? Submission doesn't make you inferior, it just makes you faithful. The ultimate example, Jesus. Jesus submitted to the Father. Is Jesus inferior? What's the answer? But he's faithful. Can I get an amen? He submitted to the will of the Father. The Thessalonian believers had not been saved more than a year. Hard for some to submit to someone who's been saved about the same amount of time. By the way, God doesn't care about seniority, but calling. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I've been saved 35 years. I'm not going to submit to this young pastor. Who does he think he is? It's got nothing to do with it. Amen? If you've been saved 35 years and you're spiritually mature, you're going to be praying for that young pastor. Can I get an amen to that? See, guys, it's a heart of submission, a heart of love, not about seniority, but about calling. And notice the attributes of those who are called. It says those who, again, I mentioned this, who labor among you. Leaders not recognized by their titles, but by their service. Not lording themselves over people, but faithfully serving them. Like, As I said earlier, the word labor there is hard work. Those in leadership, not merely a place of honor, but one of diligence, of self-sacrifice, and effort. You, you know what? You should not, nobody should be in ministry who's lazy. Can I get an amen to that? I would meet pastors who would study an hour a week, pull something off the internet, and golf all week. I'm like, bro, you're disqualified. I don't know what you're doing. Because the reality is, we're called to labor in the word. And you know what I look for first when I'm looking for people to serve in positions of ministry? I look for anything else. A servant's heart. Somebody who's willing to serve. someone who's willing to show up early and set up chairs. Somebody who's willing to do whatever it takes to help the, the ministry to, uh, do what it needs to do. Amen? And often it's done in secret. But every pastor I've ever ordained, that's where they started. They started with somebody who had a heart to serve, not to be served the first thing we should look for. It says, And are over you in the Lord. The word literally is to take the lead. Those are placed in positions of authority by God. Not a matter of personal power, but of responsibility to to be faithful to the calling God has placed upon your life. Again, in this context, the same applies again in other positions when it comes to husbands, pastors, teachers, etc. So not a position of personal power, but of godly responsibility. Notice the qualifier there, in the Lord. Only as the leader is under the Lord's authority is he or she fit to lead people. If you don't submit to God, you don't have any business leading anybody. Can I get an amen? As you submit to the Lord, as you honor the Lord, the Lord may use you to minister to others. But to God be all the glory, and we recognize that anything that we are called or gifted to do, it's only because of His grace. Amen? We don't take the credit. There's one celebrity in Christianity, and his name's Jesus Christ. Amen? And we always point people to him. So if you're encouraged, if God does something and people encourage you, I had a few texts after last Sunday's message encouraging me, and I appreciate that. I say, to God be all the glory. Amen? And you know what? Because anything good we do, it's because of him. And without him, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So the Lord is the leader. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Only follow me as I'm following him. If I'm following him, follow me. Amen? But notice what he also says here. And admonish you. Uh, I promise you, this church, you don't have any problem getting that. You know, the word admonish there means to exhort to action. It's to encourage people to do something. So he says, not only do they teach you, not only do they minister to you, but they admonish you. Leaders are recognized as those who admonish the congregation, the word there is those who warn and instruct and teach. So the earliest description we have for the responsibilities of Christian leaders is that they be people who labor, who work hard, people who lead, and people who teach. And those who do as such, we are to uh, encourage them. We're to recognize who they are and what they've been called to do. Again, pastors called to do all three of those. Verse thirteen. And esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Esteem them barely highly, not to recognize them, but to esteem them, to honor them, to respect them. It says this in 1 Timothy. Now I'm going to follow it up with another verse that will scare you away if you're thinking about being a pastor. So the first one says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. This verse has been a great encouragement to me for the 30 years I've been a pastor. Because there's times, I'll be be real transparent, there's times when I'm on no sleep, I'm completely and totally exhausted, I don't know how I'm going to finish, and the Lord reminds me of this verse. For those who labor in the word and in doctrine, the word labor there means to work to the point of exhaustion. And you know what? Nobody should get up behind a pulpit and teach anybody anything if they haven't been exhausted spending time in God's presence. Can I get an amen? And I have friends who say, I just love to study. I love to study. But I'll be honest with you, it's work. It's work. It's draining, right? You, 30 hours in, I mean, it's, it, it takes it out of you. We had a guy that was an assistant here for a while when we first pastored the the church. And he would run triathlons and all kinds of crazy stuff. His name was Mark Glesney. And Mark came to me one week after he taught us. He goes, Pastor Dave, man, I'm more tired after teaching on a Sunday than when I run a triathlon. Because it's a, there's a spiritual investment that takes place. Amen? And we, and we know the accountability before Almighty God. And here's the other verse. Here's the one that keeps you in check. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. So when I stand before God, and, and if you teach a Sunday school class, if you teach in the women's ministry, if you teach in the children's ministry, you will be held accountable one day for what you proclaim from the word of God. And you know what? That doesn't put the fear of God in you. I don't know what will. Can I get an amen? You don't want to teach anything unless you've been hanging out with Jesus because you know someday I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to be in some trouble for some things. Can I get an amen? Because it's a, it's, a, it's a high calling. It's something we should recognize. We also need to recognize it's a hard calling. But it's a get-to and it's not a have-to. It comes with labor it comes with uh, pouring yourself out. It means you're going to miss out on things that the rest of the world doesn't, but that's okay. Because when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. You need to labor in the word and do it for God's glory. He says, be at peace among yourself. No, notice he says, well, go back, for the work's sake. Not because of their title or their personality or because they're more holy, because they doesn't, they're they not, but because of their faithfulness to labor on behalf of God's word. And if you were here last Sunday, we ordained Pastor Doug. And Doug and and the pastors, we were talking about it later at the barbecue. uh, Actually, Joshua and Doug and I were. We were all just saying, can you imagine your life without ministry? And the answer is no. I can't even imagine. I wouldn't... what would I do? No, there's nothing else I would rather do. I don't want, I don't want. $10 billion wouldn't be worth it. Having anything the world has to offer isn't worth it. If this is, I get to do this for the Lord. And yes, it's exhausting. And yes, it's difficult at times. And yes, it's, who cares if people appreciate it or not. But the reality is, it's very difficult. But, but it's a blessing and it's a get to, not a have to. And you know when someone calls? Here's how you know when someone's called. You can't talk them out of it. Amen. If someone's called to do something, they're going to do it. They'll run through brick walls to do it. They'll pay money out of their own pockets so they can do it. They're not going to ask, how much does this gig pay? That guy's not called. Amen? And there's this, it's just to get to, you get to serve in the children's ministry. You get to teach in the women's Bible study. You get to be a leader in the youth group. The things that we get to do to serve the Lord, it's a get-to, not a have-to, and we ought to do it with joy and do it for His glory and not our own. Amen? And he said, those who were called and in those positions... Encourage them. I served with two pastors where I was an assistant before I planned the church in Santa Cruz and then before we came here. And the two pastors I served with were two that had the biggest impact on my life outside of my own father. But they were also men that I served with. One was six years and one for 10 years. And when I served with these guys, I got, them to, I got to know them well enough that I saw them when they weren't perfect because they're not. Can I get an amen? And I saw them get angry. And I even had them mistreat me sometimes when they got upset about things. And you know what? I don't serve them because they're perfect. I serve them because God is perfect, and God put them in my life to be somebody that, you, that God uses to help mold me more into the image of my Savior. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I'm only going to serve at the pastor's person. You are going to serve nobody then. Amen? Because we're all sinners saved by grace. I continue to respect these men greatly. They're the men I pick up the phone and call when I have a question or a concern. Since my father's died, John Snodley, I've talked to him I don't know how many times, and I will continue to call him because he spent 10 years pouring into my life when I was a young man in my early 20s. We would sit out on the curb after church and talk till 3 o'clock in the morning about the Lord. He poured his life into me. He threw me into the deep end of the pool, had me teach the whole church on five minutes' notice when I'd only taught three Bible studies in my life to five girls. And that was just not right. But, he, but praise God. But praise God for somebody who, who's going to push you. Amen? And I, and, I, and I continued to look at him as my pastor. We were to treat them with respect. And, I, and, and that should be our heart. I remember when Pastor Chuck was still alive, we were doing a senior pastor's conference up in Northern California, and Pastor Chuck was walking down the aisle and he was struggling a little bit. And then he said something about needing water. And I saw 25 pastors of very large churches get up and run to get him water and others run to get up and help him up the steps because they continued to respect the man who poured into their life. Not because Chuck's more holy or more godly, but because he was just faithful to serve them and they want to serve him back. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen? And then it says, Be at peace among yourselves. The word peace there is not the result of absence of conflict, but a mutual respect between leaders and the people. The div- any division that takes place in the body is due to selfishness or sin on part of both. I get, to, I, again, I'm mean, being transparent. I get texts from people, calls from people who say, you need to start doing this. If you don't start doing this, we're leaving. Gonna miss you. Because <laughs> I love you, but I don't do this to honor you. I do this to honor him. And sometimes when honoring him, people get their feathers roughed a little bit. Now, you know I love you guys. I would die for anybody in this room, and I mean that, and God knows it. I would do it in a minute. One of you needed my kidney. I'd give it to you today. Can I get an Amen. I love you guys. You're my family. Amen? Blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit is thicker than blood. Amen? So I love you guys. But I, don't, but I also love you enough that I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what he wants. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. I'm going to honor the Lord. And you know when division happens? We get in our flesh. And it can be the pastor in the flesh. It can be the people in the flesh. But when we start wanting what we want and doing things my way, and this is too loud, this is too quiet, this is too fast, this is too slow, quit saying amen. That's never going to happen, by the way. (laughs) You say amen one more time, I'm leaving. Amen. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because I know it's not going to stop. But the reality is, and it's not because I don't love you guys, because I certainly do, but we don't want division in the body. We need to be at peace among ourselves. There's anybody in this fellowship that you have a problem with about anything, go to them, talk to them one on one, and let's fix that. Can I get an amen to that? That's not what the body of Christ should be about. So, point number one there, submitting to those the Lord has called to lead. Point number two, lovingly ministering to one another. It says there in verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Boy, these are easy to read and a lot harder to do. We exhort you, the pastor's call to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And here Paul exhorts, the word is to encourage, invite, invoke, beseech, to lovingly minister to one another. So again, Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger. You can't minister to each other if you don't spend time with each other. If you're not in fellowship, if you just, uh, you know, I, I, I fellowship with the Lord. I've got a special place. It's the golf course. I say a prayer, and then I hit my first drive. And I'm just hanging out with Jesus. I'm not saying you can't commune with the Lord, surfing or golfing or whatever, but that's not fellowship. Can I get an amen? Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches, and you have gifts I don't have, and I may have gifts you don't have, and you can minister to me, and I can minister to you. And sometimes when people need a hug, God wants to use your arms. Can I get an amen? Someone needs a word of encouragement. God wants to use your lips. See, this body is not what it could be if we sit back and don't use the gifts God's given us. So if you don't know what the gifts God's given you are, pray about it. And the first thing we can all do is we can all pray, amen? So Christianity's not for the lone ranger. There's mutual accountability, which results in deeper fellowship and spiritual growth. I have, I have some of you guys who will text me or, or call me on something I said in a message, and sometimes you're right. You know, Dave, you said this. I know you meant this. You know what? I stand corrected. Thank you. And I appreciate that. I'm, I'm a, you know, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, the Bible says. Amen? So there are times when you're going to say something, you're going to call Moses Noah. You know, I've, I've done that. You know, when you're talking, and sometimes you'll misquote something, and people will come and correct you, and that's okay. I appreciate that. We need accountability, and we need to love each other enough to warn those who are unruly the greek term is there it's a military term those who break ranks get out of order march in their own direction it deny it also the word there speaks of somebody who is slothful and idle so those who are unruly what should we do it says warn those somebody who's being lazy Somebody who just wants the church to take care of everything for them. So they want everybody else to work and then give money to the church so they can have money so they can sit home and do nothing. A man who does not work shall not eat. I didn't get one, I finally got one late amen. Can I get an amen? amen? A man who does not work shall not eat. A man who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. And so I'll get calls and someone will come and say, well, now look, if you're working hard and you lost your job, we want to help you. Amen. If you've got jobs that you could work and you don't want to, food banks down the street. Can I get an amen? Because we want to minister to those who are working hard, who are being faithful to the calling God. The Bible says in, in Genesis 3, the Lord said to Adam, you will toil by the sweat of your brow all the days of your life. That means that men, by the way, it's hard work good for a man. It's great for a man. By the way, if you're not working hard, you're not a man right now, so man up in Jesus' name. That was, that, was a, that was a dad of me coming out right there. But that's a reality. And I, and I don't understand it. And it's not, you cannot be spiritually mature and be lazy. It's just, they don't work. They don't go together. Amen? Man, it works hard. But warn those who are unruly, who are marching out of direction, to get back in line. To work with their own hands. To cease from making dissension and being divisive. To hear You hear someone being divisive, it's definitely that's marching out of order. Matthew 18 says, go to them one-on-one. Matthew 18, the Bible talks about how do you approach somebody. And you've heard me say it. Christians don't stab each other in the back. They stab each other in the front. Yeah. Amen? And what I mean by that is, if, if you see me doing something that's outside of God's will, I would hope you would love me enough to call me up, take me somewhere, look me in the eye and say, Pastor Dave, I saw you doing this. And I love you, but you're outside of God's will. And I'm here to encourage you that you need to get right with the Lord. I'm here to pray for you. You don't tell 500 people. You don't make it the gossip mill, amen? You don't call 10 friends to pray for the pastor because he's a mess up. You go to the pastor, but we all should go to each other, amen? Because you know what? Those, the people that love you, the Lord loves us. He disciplines us, amen? And if we love one another, we don't do it. We're not self-righteous. We don't enjoy it. It's not fun, I've had to do it more times than I can count. And it's not something I'm like, oh, I'm so excited I get to take so-and-so to lunch and confront him because his wife called me and told me he's doing X. But it's necessary. Can I get an amen? And if you love people enough, you'll love them enough to discipline them. So it says there first to warn the unruly. Then it says to comfort the faint-hearted. Those who are easily discouraged or frightened, fearful in the face of persecution, afraid to step out for God. You, you've heard me say that the church is not a police station, it's a hospital. There's not a place people go to get beat up and handcuffed and beat on. It's a place or put in jail. It's a place where they come to get healed, to be ministered to, to be loved on. And so when people come that are faint-hearted, we should be the first ones to put our arms around them. We have some people that are, are fearful of COVID that haven't left their house since March. We love them. Can I get an amen to that? We should put our arm around them and encourage them because they're faint-hearted. Amen? Hey, we love you. Can we help you? Can we go get groceries for you? I know you're struggling with this right now. We're just going to pray for you. We're going to love on you. We're not going to condemn you. And we're going to help you. Can I get an amen to that? So when people are, are maybe not as, you know, going through difficulties and maybe we can look at them and say, don't you have more faith? No, let's just love on them. And and let's show them what, you know, let's let's minister to them and come alongside them so they're not going through this alone. The word comfort there means to encourage or console. Many a struggling saint needs a brother or sister to come and put their arm around them and say, bro, you're going to make it, man. I'm praying for you. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. God is in control. Amen? We have somebody in our church that just got diagnosed with COVID a couple weeks ago. They haven't been coming to church. Make sure nobody gets it from them. But well, you know what? We've just been comforting them and encouraging them. Can I get an amen? God is still in control. God knows what he's doing. This too shall pass. Then it says, not only comfort the faint-hearted, but uphold the weak. This is the weak in faith. And the word uphold means to support or hold on to, helping them to build up their own strength. When I think of this, I always think of Aaron and her when the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites. How many of you guys know that story? So the Israelites are fighting the Amalekites, and the Amalekites are a type or a picture of the flesh and the word of God. The Amalekites had been picking off all the, uh, the believers, I mean not believers, Jewish people, as they were going through the wilderness, children of Israel, and they would come behind him and kill them. And the Lord said he was going to judge them. Well, Moses ends up getting into a battle with them. But Moses can only have victory if he holds up his hands. As long as his hands are lifted, the army of Israel wins. If his hands go down, the army of Israel loses. God's teaching them a lesson because what does this reckon, what does this represent? Worship, submission, surrender. Can I get an amen? So as long as we're surrendered to the Lord, we'll have victory in Christ. As long as we're fully surrendered to Him, we get to see God do a great work. Well, Moses, you know, he's out there for hours, holding his staff in his hand, holding his hands up, and his arms start to grow weary. And the Amalekites start running over the top of the children of Israel. And then two of his generals, if you were, Aaron, his brother, who's the high priest, and Hur, one of his generals, they come alongside him, and they sit on rocks. And they hold his hands all day long until the battle is won. Guys, we all need people to hold up our hands sometimes. Can I get an amen? We have times when we're going to grow weak, and we're going to grow weary. And we need someone to come alongside us and say, bro, I'm with you. I'm going to hold up your hand with you. You're not in this alone. The Bible says a 3 cord strand is not easily broken. Amen? And so that's what this, this word's talking about here, is uphold the weak. And you know what? It may be that next week you're weak. You may be going through a tough time. Something may happen in your life. And so we need other believers to come and hold up our hands. And this is why fellowship is so important. And then he says, be patient With all, loving and helping, even the most difficult. Patient with the unruly and the faint-hearted and the weak. And don't lose your temper. Anytime I start to get impatient with somebody else, God always reminds me how patient he's been with me. Can I get an amen to that? I'm reminded how patient he's been with me, how loving he's been with me, how gracious he's been with me. And then, oh Lord, forgive me for starting to even think about becoming impatient. So he says, be patient there with all. It says, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. The Bible tells us we don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. Does it frustrate you to see rioters burning down buildings? Frustrates me too. Frustrates me that a lot of times they're burning down buildings of very innocent people. They're destroying their livelihoods. A lot of these people need a SWAT in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. And they go out and they're destroying stuff and they're doing the things they're doing. And there's a big part of me that would love to give them a forearm shiver in Jesus' name. But we don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. Amen? By the way, peaceful protest, that's fine. That's in our our constitution. If it's peaceful, that's wonderful. That's fine. When you start burning other people's stuff down and tearing stuff down. You're in sin. You're outside of God's will. And I don't care if you do it in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen to that? So you don't do that. You're not dishonoring to that. That's, that's stealing. You're, you're taking something away from somebody. It's not yours. It's wrong. It's sinful. And so it needs to be... Need, but guys, we don't need to respond with the same vile and anger they have. Amen? Because when you do, all you're going to do, you might win an argument and lose that person. I want to win people, not arguments. Amen. I want to see people saved. I want to love them, but not condone their be We don't condone their behavior so we will think that they that they're loved. Hey bro, I know you're cheating on your wife. Hey bro, you know I just want you to know I love you. Bro, stop it. And I love you. Can I get an amen to that? There needs to be, you know, exhortation, but also encouragement all the time at the same time. And again, it's hard to do our, what our flesh wants. You know, it's hard because our flesh wants to get even. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Here's what I've learned. If we let the Lord do it, he'll do a better job of it, and I won't go to jail. Can I get an amen to that? If we leave vengeance in God's hands, he'll do a better job of it. If we let God defend us, he'll do a better job of it. We need to not get wound up and caught up in, the, in that same anger and bitterness that we see in the world around us. It says, but always pursue what is good for and for all. Again, don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping hot burning coals upon his head. Luke 6.33 says, If you do good to them which are, that do good to you, what credit is it to you for even sinners do the same? If you only do good to people that bless you, well, you're not doing any better than the world does. As Christians, we live under a different standard. We're to do good to those who do evil to us. This is contrary to our natural man. When someone hits us, we want to hit back. I've used this illustration several times, one more won't hurt you, we got some new people. So I used to commute from Santa Cruz to San Jose when I was pastoring a church up there and, and my off ramp was gnarly. you get off and you had to get over three lanes to get into the lane to turn to where my office was. And so when you get off the freeway, you're going at a great rate of speed and you gotta to try to get all the way over three lanes really quickly, poorly designed. And it's, you, know, you always had to be careful you don't hit somebody. And so one time, I got all the way over, and as soon as I got over, I looked up, and the guy was in my rearview mirror, like in my back seat, almost. So I know I just cut this guy off, and this is my fault. Well, he pulls up next to me at the light, and he's letting me know in some very colorful ways that he's not happy with me. And he's flashing signs at me that aren't very kind, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And I have to tell you, in my flesh, he's like, "Get out of the car!" I'm gonna, you know, my part of my flesh is like, "You got the car." Be me hitting you and you hitting the ground, bro. In Jesus' name, right? But here's the reality: the Holy Spirit convicted me immediately. I rolled my window down. He's co- he's literally getting out of his car. I go, hey, bro, look, I didn't see you. That was 100% my fault. I am so so sorry. Will you please please forgive me? And I mean, this guy went from what? Ah, That's ah, all right, bro. Don't worry about it. And he gets back in his car. <laughs> we don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. Amen. And even if he threw another rock at my car and continued to be angry, that's up to, I, I need to do what God's called me to do and leave him in God's hands, amen? Who's the ultimate example of dealing with this? Who do, Jesus. They mocked him. They spit in his face. They scourged him when he did nothing wrong. They beat him. They, they, they mocked him and said, come down from the, from the cross if you're really the Messiah. And guys, he endured every single bit of it and died for the very people that were spitting in his face for the very people that mocked him openly. That's our Savior. And then he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The next time you feel like you need to get even, remember our Savior on the cross. So point number one was submitting to those the Lord has called you to lead. Number two, lovingly ministering to one another. Number three, living out your faith in daily life. Look at verse 16. Rejoice always. How many of you guys are doing that? Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. Joy is not outward happiness based on our circumstances. It's, it's, you know, you're only happy when your circumstances are perfect. You're not going to be happy very often. Can I get an amen? All oh, my kids are all doing great. All the bills are paid. Everybody's healthy. Everything's wonderful. Everything's amazing. Everything's going. If you're waiting for that to be happy, you can be happy very often. But joy has nothing to do with that. Happiness comes you know, and, and goes away. The new car smell wears off. Amen? But Philippians, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Guys, it's easy to have joy when things are good. Real spiritual maturity is revealed when we are joyful in the midst of difficulty. Right now, if you are joyful, that will be an opportunity for the gospel because most of the world is not joyful. Can I get an amen? They're panicked. They're fearful. They're angry. They're bitter. And you have joy. How you doing, bro? Good. Going to heaven. God is good. My boss called me the other day. We are having a tough day at work. Some stuff was going on. He called me up. He's like, oh, Dave. I said, bro, are we going to heaven? He's like, well, yeah. I said, okay. And compared to that, how is this problem we're about to discuss a big deal? Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We're going to heaven. We're new creations in Christ. We've been forgiven. We're blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, and assured. He's given us a down payment on heaven by the person of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us. He's written our name in the Lamb's book of life. He's interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the Father, and he's preparing a place for us. We're going to spend eternity with him. How in the world can anything that this world does get us to stop rejoicing when we remember all of that? Amen? So rejoice in the Lord. Too many Christians look like they've been sucking on a lemon. Can I get an amen? It's been said, you find out what's on the inside of somebody, you know, like, like tea bags. You put us in hot water, and you find out what's on the inside. And as Christians, you know, when you get squeezed, you squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. And when we squeeze a Christian, you ought to get likeness. Can I get an amen? We shouldn't be squeezed and then act like the world. Be squeezed and get angry and bitter. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. We're called to be different. We shouldn't be angry. We shouldn't be bitter. We're going to heaven. Our sins are forgiven. I mean, guys, how often do you contemplate your sins are forgiven? All of them. Past, present, and future. Guys, I ought to bring tears to our eyes and draw us to our knees. Can I get an amen? We've been forgiven. What a great God we serve. We're going to see our Savior face to face one day. I can't wait. Get in line behind me. Is that prideful? Get in line behind me. <laughs> I want to see Jesus before you. If I die before you, just know that I got my wish. Amen. But the reality is that we're to be patient with all. We're to rejoice always. And then notice what he says next: pray without ceasing. So he's given them some instructions. He's talked to them about the rapture. He's talked to them about the you know living for the Lord in the midst of a pagan and, and lost world. And now he's telling them rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I think if we do those two things, we're going to grow a lot right there. Can I get an amen? We rejoice always, and we pray without ceasing. Now, this is one of those things that people don't, that people struggle with. How can I pray without ceasing? I got to go to work. How can I pray without ceasing? I got to drive my car. Who says you can't pray in your car and you can't pray while you're working? Can I get an amen? You don't have to have your eyes closed. Please don't have your eyes closed when you're driving. Can I get an amen? But you don't have to have your eyes closed to pray. I tell people often I begin my day with the Lord, yes, Lord, and I just keep on speakerphone. My wife will tell you she'll hear me in the house. I'll just be going, help, Lord lord help lord help i'm walking to the house lord help lord help facing something right amen lord help oh, help me lord thank you lord praise you lord guys just having constant uh intercession with the lord amen i, I talk to the lord when i drive i love when i drive it's a great time to pray amen no distractions talking to the lord a lot of times about you guys praying for you you know, pray, God, I've got my heart to get up this morning and literally get on my knees and put my face in the, in the, in the uh, chair next to my bed and pray for you guys and pray for this morning and pray that God will be glorified and pray if anybody here doesn't know the Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, that the word of God would go forth with power and we would leave here more in love with Jesus in the way that we came. Can I get an amen? And so when you, we want to pray, Lord, help, because I can't do this, Lord. And if you don't show up, this is going to be a mess. We can enter into God's presence anywhere and any time. You know we're the most blessed of all people? Because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. Amen? Before that, only on the Holy of Holies, only on the Day of Atonement, could they enter the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go. Well, Jesus is the high priest. The veil's been torn. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's why we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you don't pray in the name of the Son, God doesn't hear it. Amen? Because He's the one that is our intercessor. Between God and man, if you're just praying to the universe, you're yelling down a well. Amen? The hell's been torn. We should begin spending in our days in intimate communication with the Lord. The creator of the universe hears you. How awesome is that? Almighty God hears your prayers. Be in constant communion. Then it says in verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Heart of worship and thanksgiving are naturally outpouring of intimate fellowship with Him. We can only give thanks in everything if we truly understand that God is in control. We were praying for the person this morning. The prayer team was praying for the person this morning who has COVID. And I'm sure he's watching right now. And we prayed with him, and I thank God for it. Because we give God thanks for everything. Can I get an amen? Because can God use... Getting COVID? Can God use getting laid off? Can God use any trial, you know, getting cancer? Whatever trial we may go through, can God use those for his glory if we will let him? So we want to give thanks to him because we know he's in control. Is God surprised by anything that's happening in the world right now? Is he up there in heaven going, oh man, I never saw this coming. He's not doing that. He saw it. He knew it was coming. And it's time for us to be salt and light in the midst of it. Romans 8, 28 says this, and so we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, it may not be the good for my comfort, but it's gonna be the good for his purpose. And it's not about my comfort, it's about his purpose. Do you know that Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you happy? He died on the cross to make you holy. Amen? Now, he says that he came that we might have life and life more abundant, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. But his primary reason for dying on the cross is to restore sinful men and women back to holy God, not to make us happy, but to make us holy, which means an intimate fellowship with the Creator. Amen? And so, if the Lord wants to make me holy by having me go through some unhappy times, then it's worth it. Can I get an amen? Three people said it because you're afraid it'll happen. Amen? Trust God, he's in control. Joseph in the pit, in slavery, became the prince of Egypt. David, uh, Daniel, torn from his family, 70 years of, of becoming one of the world's leading officials. See, we look at the trial and God looks at the results. We don't always see the results until we get through the other side of the trial. No suffering is wasted. God is in control. He loves you more than you will ever understand. And because he loves you, he is willing to allow you to go through difficulty so you come out the other side more like him. And is that worth it? It's worth it. And we need to be reminded of that. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. The word quench there is extinguish. The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell, they were like, it was like tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2. And the text quoted to defend uh, out-of-control behavior sometimes. You're quenching the Spirit, bro. You're quenching the Spirit. You stop quenching the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. If you come up here on a Sunday and start barking, running up and down here, we're going to quench that Spirit right now. I'm going to Brett jump up and tackle you in Jesus' name. That's not quenching the Spirit. That's putting a stop to foolishness. Can I get an Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion, the Holy Spirit is not going to be teaching and interrupting Himself. The Holy Spirit is not going to do things that are out of control. Amen. The gifts are for today. God uses them for His glory, but they're done decently and in order. Amen. And we know that God can do that. So, how do you quench the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who comforts us and convicts us. The Holy Spirit quenched when we refuse to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit is quenched. We refuse to let the Holy Spirit lead in our lives. The Holy Spirit is quenched when we walk according to the flesh. The Holy Spirit lives in the life of every believer, and it's quenched when we cease to be desperate for God. It's got nothing to do with hyper-emotion. It has everything to do with us submitting to Him. Are you walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, or are you walking in the flesh? Are you being led by the Lord, led by His Spirit, or being led by your own fleshly desires? And again, when we walk in the spirit, we'll have the fruit of the Holy Spirit: love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You go down that list, and that's evidence that we're walking in the spirit. And when we're walking in the flesh, we're going to be angry and bitter and cur- You know, I've Christians say to me, they, "Oh, I have got a problem." I, say, I, I, you know, I throw up about twenty f-bombs a day, but other than that, I love Jesus. I'm like, bro, at the overflowing of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. And I'm saying all sin is sin, and we're all sinners. Can I get an amen to that? But there's are certain areas where we'll make excuses. Well, this one part of my life I do, but it's not a big deal. No, it's quenching the Spirit. Amen? It's rejecting what God has called you to do, and it's going to impact your walk with the Lord. Look what it says in verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Do not suppose, in a sense, that you have no need for further instruction. Prophecy, in the Bible, there's two things for prophecy. We always think of one, we don't think of the other. The prophecy we think of is forth you know the Bible that, that a very large percentage of it is prophecy? It's talking about things that hadn't happened yet. We know the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem because the Bible said so. We know, that, we know the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin because the Bible said so. We, know the, the, we, we see the picture of the cross in Isaiah 53. That's prophecy, amen? And there's prophecy throughout the Word of God. And there's prophecy that's yet to be fulfilled. And all the prophecies that have been fulfilled are proof that the ones he's prophesied will be fulfilled. Can I get an amen? Rapture of the church. All the things are going to take place. But prophecy isn't just fore, foretelling or, of, of truth, foretelling of truth. but it's, it's preaching the truth. It's giving people the truth. So it's prophetic when you open up the Bible and you read it. Can I get an amen? So we're not to despise when God reveals something in the future and we trust him, and we're not to despise when the word of God is opened up and read when you don't agree with it. By the way, if you don't listen to anything I say this morning, listen to this. If the Bible offends you, you need to be offended. If the Bible steps on your toes, your feet are in the wrong place. Amen? And you know what? I'm glad that I get convicted every time I read the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? Every time I read the Bible, I get... That's how the Holy Spirit feels to me. Probably different to you, but just, just like that. Holy Spirit head slap in Jesus' name. I used to have hair back there and see what happened. But I've been so convicted... And the reality is, I praise God for his word, because conviction, what does conviction do? It draws us to our knees, amen? Conviction brings us to a place of repentance, which is good. If there's no conviction, there's been no conversion, amen? Amen? Ever feel convicted about it? You're not saved. Because the Holy Spirit's not going to just walk with you while you're doing all this and act like it's no big deal. He's going to convict you, amen? So praise God for it. So do not despise prophecy. We all have some growing to do. We all need to hear and understand more. Look, I've been teaching the Bible for thirty years, and I feel like I'm about six inches deep in the ocean in my understanding of God's word. I love it, but I'll teach a chapter I've taught ten times, and God will show me something else the eleventh time. None of us has arrived as a Christian. Can I get an amen? Do we? How many still need got some growing to do? Okay, we all need to grow. And so he's encouraging them, do not despise prophecy. And then it says, test all things, hold fast to what is good. What do we test everything against? The word of God. Amen, Brett. The word of God. When we test it, what is, where do we, where's the answer, answer book? It's this. We don't test it against popular opinion. I'm going to get in trouble right now, but I'm, that's okay. I wrote something on Facebook a while back, and I tend not to get too political, but I said, I don't understand how any born-again Christian can vote for anybody who's pro-baby killing. Right. I just, I don't get it. How you can vote for people that want to kill babies up to the moment they're born and do it in Jesus' name and think you're honoring God. I have, and I had people come after me. Kids were in my youth group 25 years ago. Pastor Dick, but what about, you're saying that, that, that God doesn't love Democrats? I said, God loves Democrats, and most of them just don't love him. If you're pro-baby killing, you're wrong and you need to repent. Can I get an amen to that? We need to protect unborn children. If you're, if you're against the, the, the family, if you're, if you're pro-homosexual marriage, we lo- do we love homosexuals? What's the answer? We love them. We want to see them say we love them. We love them. But you know what? We don't condone their behavior. Just like you shouldn't condone mine if I'm an adulterer. Can I get an amen to that? And we live in a time right now where it's like you just need to be like the rest of the world and you just need to succumb to what the world's doing and need to you know, put on masks and stop worshiping and don't go to church and sit at home and do what the government tells you to do when they tell you to disobey God. And we're not going to do that. We're going to honor the Lord. Amen? We're going to honor Jesus no matter what. She says, look, your emotions are not the plumb line. But I feel. Have your feelings ever lied to you? Your feelings are real, but they also could be wrong. I feel like this is the person I'm supposed to marry. And then you find out, no. And you're thankful to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't marry that knucklehead. Can I get an amen? I feel, I feel, I feel. What does the word say? I just feel like this is the guy. Where's he out with Jesus? Well, you know, you know he, he, he's been to church. That's not what I said. Where's he out with the Lord? Well, you know, does he, he love Jesus more than you? Bring him down to the church office. I want to hear his testimony. I, I, da, 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 da. He's the wrong guy. <laughs> wrong guy. But I feel, I'm, I just feel I'm so in love with him. You're not in love with him. You're in lust with him. Because love does not, it's, it's nonsense. Can I get an amen? It's all driven by the flesh. It needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Don't settle less than God's highest. And by the way, God's man, God's woman is always worth the wait. Can I get an amen? Always worth the wait. And so the exhortation here is to hold fast to what is good. Many churches today are teaching everything but the Word of God. moved by emotions. And the Word of God is the key to knowing truth. Hold fast to what is good, to that which is written in the Word of God. If nobody else wants to do it, we're going to do it anyway. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, even if nobody else does. Can I get an amen? There needs to be that kind of resolution in our hearts. Then it says, abstain from every form of evil. Sin not. Avoid even the appearance of evil. Err on the side of holiness. And again, I'm, that's between you and the Lord, but there are things where we do things that give the appearance of evil. And it could even be innocent on your behalf. I know I don't ever drink alcohol, and I never will again. And, but I remember early on we, we were at some place and. And uh, either my wife or I had, my wife might have had a non alcoholic something. You know, it was basically a slush. Can I get an amen? But it looks like something that could be alcoholic. And a kid in my youth group in Lancaster came and said, Oh, I saw you guys, and, you know, it's good to know that you guys drink alcohol. I'm like, What are you talking about? It's avoid the appearance of evil. Can I get an amen? I'm called to be salt and light. Now, you can have a glass of wine with dinner. That's between you and the Lord. But my conviction is I will never drink alcohol again because I'm not going to be drunk with wine. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? And pastors are not called to drink alcohol. We should be a Christ-like example. So we want to avoid even the appearance of evil. I have a thing I do at work. people, I've had female bosses, and they want to ride with me on a sales call, and it's 70 miles away. I make them ride in a different car. I'm not riding in the same car with any woman by myself who's not my wife. That's not happening. We're not doing that. People will be going to lunch at work. We used to have an office. Hey, do you want to go? And it's two women. No, no. Not going. Why? Appearance of evil. Amen? I want want to honor my wife in the way that I even appear to others. Amen? I want to honor the Lord in the way that I do that. And that's the exhortation here. He's exhorting the church. You know, avoid even the appearance of evil. You don't want people to think you're doing wrong. Don't don't have anything to do with those things. Finally, his last points are, live every day in anticipation of the Lord's return will finish up. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a great verse. Let me read that again. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify, he means set you apart, completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. The word blameless there means without accusation from the outside. You've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ. He is setting you apart unto the Lord. And he says... At the coming of Jesus Christ. See, we want, when Jesus comes back, we want him to see us through the shed blood of his son and he sees us holy. And those of you who've been born again, when Jesus sees you, he doesn't see your imperfections. He sees you through the perfection of his son, that he died on the cross for you, that he paid the price for you. And now in him, you've been made holy. First, uh, setting aside all aspects of our lives to God, everything, our appetites, our passions. It says says, he, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? God begins the work. We're all works in progress. Can I get an amen? We are justified when we gave our lives to the Lord, just as if we never sinned. So we're going to heaven. We're new creations. We're being sanctified, set apart unto the Lord, and emboldened more into his image until the day we are glorified. Amen? So we will not be perfect until we get to heaven. But our desire should be to walk in the center of God's will and to obey him with reckless abandon. Can I get an amen? Then he says, Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. So when COVID's over, I'm going to be back to the holy hug. Can I get an amen? You know, and they're, and they're, and they're uh, I, still, I hug some of you anyway. They're going to take me to jail anyway, so it doesn't matter. But here's the reality. Here's reality. Shouldn't the reality. Isn't there a family reunion every time we have church? And, you know, in their culture, they kiss each other in the cheek. In our culture, we hug. And, I, you know, and this is not new with me. Pastor Chuck used to stand at the back of a church of 20,000 people, and as people came out, he hugged every one of them. And so when our church got large in Santa Cruz, that was my heart. And I hug you guys because I love you guys. It's a get-to, not a have-to. Can I get an amen? Hey, when you have a family reunion, you hug everybody. In a couple of weeks, all my kids and all my grandkids are going to be at my house for four days. Nothing better for, for me and my wife. I'm so excited, I can't even tell you. The Colorado, all coming together, and you know what, nothing's going to make me happier because it's a family reunion, amen? But every day and every third feels the same. He says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. See, he doesn't write the book so we can put it on a shelf and forget about it. He said, I send this to you that it can be read to all the brethren. And that's why we don't do seven steps to financial freedom and then try to get you into a class on Tuesday nights where we're really going to teach the Bible. I'd have people visit our church and say, well, I want to come when you have a Bible study. Bro, come anytime we have church, because that's what's up. Can I get an amen? We have, that's all we do is study the Bible around here and worship the Lord and, and take communion and love on each other. What does the first century church do? Set steadfast the apostles' doctrine the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. There it is. We don't need the flying Melinda's. We're not going to have the petting zoo out front anytime soon. We're just going to teach the word of God. And we're just going to love people. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. Guys, there's nothing better than the grace of Jesus Christ being upon us, amen? God's riches at Christ's expense. So in closing, essentials of a healthy church, submitting to those the Lord has has called to lead. Submit to them, pray for them. Uh, lovingly ministering to one another, for taking out the getting ourselves together, use our gifts to minister to each other, uh, living out our faith daily, everywhere we go, everything we do, how we minister to each other, and then finally, living every day in anticipation of Christ's soon return. Back there in verse 23 uh, he said, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, if Jesus came today, if he raptured the church, would you go with him? Do you know him? Or do you know about him? Do you have an intimate relationship with the Lord? Do you, do you know Jesus better than you know your spouse? You know The Bible talks about us we're, we're the Bride of Christ. It's being married to Jesus, not just believing that He exists, but having a relationship with Him. The Bible says in Romans 10:9, "If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved." So salvation comes when we surrender our lives to Him, when we recognize that we are sinners, and we say, "Lord, I believe you are the Savior." Please, Lord, forgive me. Not only do I want you to be my Savior, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to come and rule and reign in my life. I want to take myself off the throne and place you there. If you've never done that, my prayer is that today would be the day of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for anybody here that doesn't know you, that today indeed would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for anyone who maybe they've been religious, or maybe they've just gone to church, but they've never fully and truly surrendered their lives to you. I pray now that they would confess you before men so that you might confess them before your Father in heaven. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, and maybe you, you may have prayed a prayer one time or walked denial, aisle, but you know that he's not been the Lord of your life and you're ready to surrender your life to him, I just want you to do something real simple. Just raise your hand right where you are and I want to pray with you. Anybody here at all? you know that you have the promise of eternal life. You're ready to surrender your life to the Lord. Anybody at all? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. Help us, Lord, to live lives sold out and set apart unto you. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To love people the way you love them. Lord, to honor you. To pursue what is good, not what is evil. To overcome evil with good. Lord, we can't do any of this apart from the the empowering work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Less of us, more of you. We ask these things in your holy, holding your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said...